start with two bottles of booze. The Heineken Ignite and the Strongbow Start Cap. Introducing Heineken Ignite, an interactive bottle that connects people to each other and the club. Heineken Ignite was the result of a unique collaborative experiment. We started with the new Star Bottle, then built our own Arduino board, equipped it with an 8-bit microprocessor, an accelerometer and 8 LEDs, and finally a wireless network transceiver that would work with our specially written VJ program. In parallel, we designed and 3D printed a special housing able to withstand cooling and allow reuse of the unit on multiple bottles of beer. Then, we let people find out for themselves. It ignites when people cheers. It sparks when they take a sip. And sleeps when left untouched. And when the DJ cranks it up, every bottle becomes part of the party and pulsates to the rhythm of the beat. What do these bottles have in common? They're both bottles of beer that double as media devices and sensors. Each of them was engineered by an advertising agency as part of promoting the brand. We might say that the advertisers expanded the affective capacities of the bottle. Bottles of beer have always affected consumers. You pop the cap, you drink the beer, and it affects your body and mood. It makes you feel different, sometimes excited, a bit buzzy, other times mellow, sometimes morose. What these advertisers did though was engineer the bottle into an input-output or I.O. device that can store and transmit information. The idea of an I.O. device is a useful metaphor for thinking about the transfer points between digital media systems and our lives, bodies and societies. I.O. refers to input-output, any program, operation or device that transfers data into a computing system. A transfer of data is an output from one device and an input into another, hence the I for input, O for output. I.O. devices can convert sensory stimuli into a digital form. For example, the keyboard translates the physical movements of your fingers into a series of digital commands in a software program. The mouse translates the fine motor skills of the hand into digital data that moves the cursor on a screen. In the case of the Heineken Ignite and Strongbow Start Cap, the bottle becomes more than a container of beer. The Heineken Ignite bottle had in its base LEDs, a microprocessor, an accelerometer, and a wireless transmitter. These devices sensed and transmitted information. The accelerometer and wireless transmitter worked as sensors that could stimulate the lights in the bottle to flash to the beat of the music and movement of people in clubs. Heineken claimed the intention was to create a mobile media device that captured people's attention without them having to engage with the screen of the smartphone. Well, sort of. I think the advertisers understood full well that if you give drunk people in a club a bottle of beer that flashes, they are highly likely to use their smartphone to capture images and videos for uploading on social media. The bottle is a device then that prompts people to convert the sociality of the club into media content and data on social media platforms. Strongbow's start cap followed a similar logic.
were sold in specially engineered bars. When you flipped the cap off the bottle, an RFID chip in the cap would trigger responses in the club. For instance, the cap might pop off and that might trigger confetti to drop from the ceiling, or a light show to happen, or a particular song to play. Both of these bottles are I.O. devices that sit at the touch point between digital media infrastructure and human bodies. They sense action in the club, respond to that action, and in doing so, stimulate responses from humans. Marketers are experimenting with beer bottles here in part because they are an object that is held by the human body in social and cultural situations. Here, we can see advertisers approaching branding as not only a process of symbolic persuasion. They are not really here making an advertisement that contains a message that we consume. Rather, they are engineering a cultural experience. They are using media as a data processing infrastructure to sense, process, and modulate humans, their feelings, bodies, and cultural practices. We should pay attention to advertisers in part because they are critical actors in experimenting with new media technologies. Via branding exercises like the Heineken Ignite and the Strongbow Start Cap, we can see advertisers treating media as data processing sensors. Jeremy Packer suggests that the capacity to exercise control using digital media is founded upon the ability to capture measure and experiment with reality. In the present moment, we need to pay attention to the increasing capacity of media to sense, calculate and experiment with our lived experience. These two beer bottles are part of a larger process of weaving digital media and networks into our everyday life and infrastructure. This gets called broadly the Internet of Things. Watches, television, cars, fridges, kettles, air conditioners, home stereos are just some of the everyday objects that are getting connected to the internet. My friend's dog is even connected to the internet. Well, not the dog itself, but the dog's collar. They load an app and they can see where the dog is while they're at work, see if it's been moving around the backyard or house or if it's decided to run away. This thingification of the internet is promoted to us as living in sensor-rich smart homes and environments. As you drive home, your car might know when you're getting close and turn on the air conditioning, flick on the kettle and put on your favourite music. You can think about how the logic of turning everyday objects into sensory devices works. Once your car is a sensor, it can start collecting all kinds of information. Say there is a sensor in the steering wheel that can record information about how erratically you are driving. Or say there's a microphone in the car that can hear the tone of your voice. The car might be able to sense what kind of mood you're in as you drive home from work. In a bad mood, it might tell your home stereo to put on some chilled out music and dim the lighting by the time you arrive home. Okay, I kind of made that up, but it's not ridiculous. I have heard marketers say things like this when they talk about the Internet of Things at industry conferences. Platforms like Google and Amazon imagine us living alongside all sorts of artificially intelligent things. You might open the fridge and say, ah, we're out of milk. And your home assistant might hear that and put it on your shopping list. Or if you get home deliveries, it might automatically order it for you. Or it might sense when you're near the shops and send a reminder to your phone. A basic point I'm trying to draw out here is that the engineering logic of media platforms does not begin and end with the smartphone and its apps. Platform engineers consider that all kinds of everyday objects will be input-output devices that are incorporated within the platform architecture. These devices act as switches or transfer points between the bodily capacities of consumers and users 
and the calculative capacities of media platforms. These devices sense by recording information about the expressions and movements of humans and their environments. They translate by transforming reality into data that can be processed, and they stimulate by delivering impulses and messages to users that shape their bodies, their moods, and their lived environments. I think of these devices as affect switches in the sense that they transfer the human capacity to affect into the calculative apparatus of a media infrastructure. A device that can sense your mood by recording your voice or movement or what you've been tapping or swiping, for instance, it's translating some information about your lived experience, how you feel, into digital data, and then processing that information and making a decision about how it might modulate your mood. Here I mean affect with an A. To affect is to have influence on or to make a difference to. This is often particularly meant in relation to feelings or emotions. A switch is a device that can coordinate or stimulate movement in a system. It can turn something on or off or change its directional focus. So at an affect switch then is a device that can alter the direction of human action, attention or emotion. Affect switches are techno-cultural devices for conducting and governing the dynamic and indeterminate interactions between users, material cultural spaces and media platforms. The beer bottles I started out with are affect switches. They sit at the touch point between the body and media platforms. They sense information in the environment and then stimulate particular moods and reactions from users. Okay, there's another crucial point though the beer bottles help us to make. Popular culture can sometimes seduce us into thinking that new media is all about virtual simulation out there in cyberspace, that media technologies are somehow ephemeral. That's a ruse. Digital media are material objects and infrastructure. They exist in the real world and involve the transformation of real-world objects and spaces. The beer bottles are one example of everyday objects becoming digital. They retain their material character and place in the world. The change is that they are now connected to a digital media infrastructure. Mark Andrejevich and Mark Burden suggest that this world, where more and more objects become touch points between our lived experience and the data processing power of digital media is a sensor society. They suggest our homes, workplaces, cars, shopping centres and public spaces are filling up with probes or sensors that capture the rhythms of the daily lives of persons, things, environments and their interactions. In their way of thinking, a sensor is any device that automatically captures and records data that can be transmitted, stored and analysed these devices do not watch and listen so much as they detect and record. This leads Andrejevich and Burden to make a really critical point. When we see a device as a sensor in a sensor society, we must think not only of what it records, but also how it is stored, who has access to it, and how it is used. We are all sensed by sensors. We all have data collected about our bodies, movements and expressions. But who is doing the sensing? Who gets to keep, process and benefit from all this sensory information? We live in a world where more and more everyday objects are becoming sensors that collect data about us, and this prompts us to rethink the ways in which we participate in public space. Much of our participation is relatively passive. Passive data is the kind of data that is collected through sensors. It is data that we do not necessarily consciously know we are creating. 
Sure, we might immediately think of our smartphones here. Oftentimes, they collect data that we don't really think about. Go check your location services on your phone. Unless you switched it off, you'll see that your phone has a fairly complete record of where you go, and it's probably identified your home and place of work. There are many moments where we are not actively participating by using the phone to post something to social media. Rather, it's passively sitting in the background, sensing information about us. This kind of passive monitoring goes way beyond the phone. Here's two examples, one slightly kooky and one pretty creepy. The kooky one first. In July 2017, it was reported that Roomba vacuum cleaners, those robotic vacuum cleaners that run around your house cleaning it by themselves, were collecting information about your home. The vacuum needs to collect data in order to learn how to vacuum your home, to figure out where your walls and furniture are. So it creates a kind of virtual map for your home that it uses to vacuum. But it doesn't just use that map for its own cleaning pattern. The map is also a data set about what objects it bumps into in your home and how big your home is. That data is stored by the parent company and they're considering selling it. The data could be used to make predictions about what kind of a family you have or what kinds of objects you own or how many rooms you have. And from there, advertising might be targeted accordingly. Okay, and here's a creepy one. Earlier in 2017, the smart vibrator manufacturer Standard Innovation settled a lawsuit for $3.75 million. These vibrators could be controlled using a smartphone app and a Bluetooth connection. Two hackers demonstrated that the vibrator could be hacked and remotely activated via the smartphone app. But get this, the smartphone app that was used to control the vibrator also collected information about users, including information about body temperature and vibration intensity without users' consent. So here it is, an intimate personal object doubling as a sensor that transfers information about sexual practices back to unknown third parties for unknown commercial purposes. For Andrejevich and Burden, the sensor society is not just a world in which the interactive devices and applications that populate the digital information environment come to double as sensors, but also a world in which we need to pay attention to the emerging practices of data collection and use because they complicate and reconfigure received categories of privacy, surveillance and human sense-making. The users and collectors of the troves of data that sensors collect range from government spy agencies, such as the NSA, to data analytics companies, advertising companies, insurance agencies, hedge funds managers, and social media platforms. The organisations that can access this sort of big data are not ordinary individuals. By its very nature, this data is useful only to the entities that want to measure and affect large numbers of people those who want to act on a society-wide level. Andrejevich and Burden tell us that structural asymmetries are built into the very notion of a census society, insofar as the forms of actionable information it generates are shaped and controlled by those who have access to the sensing and analytical infrastructure. A census society, then, is one where everyday objects are connected to a digital media system. These objects collect data. The consequence of having more objects in more everyday situations collecting more data is that we're becoming a society characterised by the collection and processing of information on an enormous scale. As we become a society that collects more data than any human can interpret, 
we begin to create machines that process that data and make decisions. Patterns of human life that are not visible or intelligible to humans become intelligible and actionable to machines. A sensor-driven media system doesn't care for what we think or for enabling us to understand one another as much as it aims to develop the capacity to make us visible and to predict our actions. Machines do not attempt to understand content in the way that a human reader might. They merely look for patterns. A human would be unable to keep up with the vast amount of data involved, but algorithms and artificial intelligence can. Sensors are a critical part of the larger media platform ecosystem. Sensors connect that system to lived experience and living bodies. They enable calculative media platforms to learn about human life, and as a consequence, to make more machine-driven interventions in it.